Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing the show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangibondNetwork.com. You can look them up, and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile-friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangibondNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. On this week's episode... Josh and I discuss the upcoming Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, coming to theaters this week, and ask if the series belongs within the Harry Potter universe. We get some early Game of the Year thoughts in, as we're talking some of the best in video gaming this year, and what are some of the early ideas that we have for pop culture gifts as we start to get ready for the holiday season. All this, plus... I talk to Jonathan and Hunter with TVRatingsGuide.com as we change the channels on the current fall TV season. As Rob McCallum would say, don't touch that dial because it's time to delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And it's another episode again of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. How are you? And I just want to say hello to again to everyone out there. It's another great week here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We want to thank again the Podcast Radio Network, where you can catch us every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here again on the Podcast Radio Network. We hope you're listening to us out there on there. Or more, even more of our great affiliates. Let's try the Tangent Bound Network. They do a great job over there at the Tangent Bound Network. Want to say a, a big hello to them as well if you're listening to us there. The ESO Network out there, esopodcast.com, the great network. You want to check out their lineup of shows as well. I am here today again with my good friend who still puts up with me. He is the author of Vendetta Dark. One of the best holiday gifts you can get a loved one this season. It's a good stocking stuffer. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thanks, thanks for having me. It is a good stocking stuffer indeed. I can see it like, okay, is it the paperback version? It just goes, did you it, make sure with your publisher that it was like, you know, diametrically just would fit in there? I did. I, I asked him, I'm like, will this book fit into a Christmas stocking? And they're like, yeah those and mailboxes so you can order off the internet and it's a perfect fit for both that's awesome and they can order it at amazon.com look for it it's a great story vendetta dark it's another great episode indeed you can also catch us as well on the pop culture cosmos on stitcher on itunes on podcast.com and on google play and even as well our home site popculturecosmos.wordpress.com you and I have talked at length about Doctor Strange, and oh my goodness, I finally got to see him. Very, very solid origin flick. Last thoughts on Doctor Strange before we head on to another movie I want to talk about that's coming out this week? Doctor Strange was a visual feast. That's really the the only way I could think to describe it to people. It was it was fantastic, and I just all I can do is think about what a headache that was to kind of imagine those scenes. They're like. Okay, we're going to have a this world flip into this one. This building's going to do a 360 around. This guy fly that way. I just, I, I admire it. 
It is Dr. Strange. It comes recommended from both of us. I'm sure you've heard from all your friends out there. Check it out if you haven't already, because it is definitely a very solid entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But its reign in number one should be undermined this week with the release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Josh, your thoughts on Fantastic Beasts? You've you've seen even a little bit more footage. You've gotten a little bit more info on it. What are your thoughts as this stage of the Harry Potter universe gets to be shown on screen very shortly? It's I, I don't I don't know what to expect from it. That's what's exciting to me is the fact that I, all I know about is what I saw in the trailers and what you know what little they've talked about in interviews with uh, the director and the uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, and they just—I don't know if you heard—they just announced that Johnny Depp is going to be playing Grindelwald. So it's, it's got a lot of star power behind it now. You have uh, you have Johnny Depp. You have uh, Ron, even Ron Perlman's showing. He has uh, his own little cameo in there. So there's—I'm uh, expecting big things, but I'm—you know—I don't—I don't know enough about it yet to kind of say, "Oh, this is going to be a fantastic movie. It's going to be a fantastic beast, and where to find them." And the director has committed to five. five. Films, uh, yeah. in this universe is that correct yep uh, just today he said he feels obligated to direct all five films and he did a fantastic job with the last two harry potter movies uh indeed and that's uh quite an undertaking i guess he could probably get some you know help from peter jackson on uh, <laughs> take care of an entire series like that but it's definitely something to look forward to when you're thinking as far as the Fantastic Beasts within the Harry Potter universe. What are some of the things maybe that going in, you said you weren't sure exactly what to expect. What are the things, some of the things that you're hoping for that this movie, at least this initial offering will maybe show for you? I'm hoping for more background on the universe because like in the, in the books and the movies, they allude to a lot of stuff that happened like a long time ago. And, I'm hoping that we'll kind of get a glimpse into what, you know, what made uh, the story behind the Newt Scamander and the the textbook he wrote, and what that whole I the Grindelwald, like what was uh, where what made him go bad? Where did he? More, I want to know more of his his origins, which is something they promised to deliver. But they also, I don't know if you you can go on Pottermore and you can actually look at, at the history of magic in the United States, and they're supposed to be talking more about like the. Uh, this, the Wizarding School for Americans and that whole that whole uh, world where the uh, is basically put into law that American wizards are supposed to say absolutely secret and the, it's a uh, very punishable offense to uh, reveal yourself to a muggle. So, and already in the trailers we saw that uh, New Scamander reveals himself to somebody who's not magical. So, I, I what I really want to see is more background. Uh, you know, to create a full, I think after watching these movies, we'll have a better understanding of this universe that Harry Potter exists in. Does he get the exact year and time frame this takes place? I'm assuming it's from what I've seen the trailers and whatnot. I'd say the 20s, or am I mistaken on that? It's supposed to be the 1920s, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I just wanted to clarify that because it looked it, it, it appeared to be, but I wanted to get a clarification on that. And obviously you see from the uh, great special effects that are already being shown in the trailers that they're going all out within this universe. I know Warner Brothers is uh, staking a very, very high amount on this. I want to relate Fantastic Beasts a little bit to the Hobbit series of Lord of the Rings. It's the good and the bad. I guess the good you can say is that they almost garnered combined almost $3 billion in total box office income. That's obviously a good for the three movies in the Hobbit series. But I think the Lord of the Rings needs to, uh, series, as far as in the movies, needs to be put to rest for a while if they ever decide to go back to it in some form or fashion because the fact I think people, by the time Battle of Five Armies came out, I think people were a little bit on the burnt outside when it comes to the Lord of the Ring universe. Could you see that sort of thing happening with so many movies still in the queue for Fantastic Beasts? It's weird that you say that about The Hobbit because I didn't actually start enjoying those movies until the last one. When the story came together, I, I was finally able to get on board with it. I was like, okay, well, this is, this is cool. But 
Yeah, with all major franchises, you really got to find that fine line between, you know, using a property as a cash cow and actually being able to tell a good story at the same time. And I think with with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, yeah, it's super surprising that they're expanding it into five movies. But at the same time, with J.K. Rowling actually writing the scripts, you know, we're not getting some, like, B-grade writer, some somebody that the studios just dug up. It's actually J.K. Rowling. So it's, it's basically, it, she's taking a story and she's she's expanding her own world. So we're not, like, getting someone else's interpretation of it. So Because, you know, I imagine if uh, J.R. Tolkien wrote, uh, you know, the screenplays to Lord of the Rings, that we'd probably be getting this absolutely incredible set of movies. Not that Peter Jackson didn't do a great job, but, you know, just different interpretations. And obviously it's going to be better when it comes from the mind of the person who created it. Personally, you know, as, as you know, I, I really love the first three Lord of the Ring movies. Uh, I just, for someone who has seen the Hobbit movies, I just, for me, in a lot of ways, they're almost one-offs because in the Hobbit movies just seem to, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe just, did not hold their same interest with me and they didn't seem to hold their welcome with me for quite a long spell. I'm just worried that over the course of five, maybe even like the hunger games, you know, how many people were there by the end of the last hunger games movie? That's what I want. Uh, I'm worried about for the fantastic B series is that by the end of the fifth movie that there's It'll just be like divergent. Yeah, <laughs> the television show to finish it. Well, th- those were just not very. Uh, I want to say that, I don't want to say they they were the best. Well, right out of the gate, they were not the greatest ad- adaptations in the world. They were not critically received very well. They still had a audience that followed it, that enjoyed the books, that were going to see it. And as far as the first one is concerned, the second one came out, and a good share of those were still there to see the movie the third one they i think they got a little tired and the fatigue started to set in as far as the actual storyline is concerned and the whole concept of it and i think even the hardcore audience started to be whittled away at do you see that type of thing happening for the fantastic b series over the course of five movies it's really hard to tell honestly i wish that like like I said, I there there's no books like there you know you can't there's no books based on these movies coming out. So it's the reason people are so stoked about Harry Potter was like, you know they've been reading the books since the '90s and they it had already built up such a massive following and people knew the story, they knew the characters and they were they're expecting things. But in this one, nobody really knows what to expect. They've seen like a little taste in the trailers, but it's it's. Uh, hard to know and i think that's might be the reason they expanded it into five movies because i originally when i heard it was going to be three i was kind of confused because personally i don't i don't think i'd be able to watch three movies based on a guy who wrote a textbook i I just it's not something that would keep my interest so i think that's why they brought in characters like dumbledore and grindelwald but this is what i think i think they have a very specific plan in place they want Yes, they're using this property as a cash cow because people absolutely love that universe and the characters. But I think because they purchased the the film rights for The Cursed Child, they're biding their time. So if they release one movie every two years, by the time that fifth movie is over, the characters from the original Harry Potter are going to be old enough to play themselves in The Cursed Child. I mean, I could just be grasping at straws here, but that's that's my thinking on the subject. No, that's actually a very good synopsis. Uh, that's actually a very good uh, way to, uh, you know, analyze the situation. And I think uh, you're right, because I think the ultimate end goal is to get to the Cursed Child and actually have those actors that we're so familiar with in the Harry Potter world to play those roles at a bit older, obviously. So... Uh, you're you're definitely right on that. I I, I think that might be a lead in. Uh, I think that's a very good summation of what what could be going on within the Harry Potter universe and why the Fantastic Beasts series has been elongated to five separate films. So we'll see with the first one the reception, the audience involved, and you can pretty much gauge as we go along to see if people will actually stay with the series for the next five movies and see where we go from there. So the, 
Actually, excellent points indeed, Josh. Uh, I appreciate you you letting us know on a little bit more about your thoughts on the Fantastic Beasts and where to find them as far as the actual picture itself and the series going forward. Uh, When we come back, Josh and I are actually going to be talking some video games and some early thoughts on the game of the year. Coming up right after the break, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. And we're back on the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend Josh Peterson, the author of Vendetta Dark. Get it today on Amazon as a holiday gift. Thanks again for joining us. If you have not been able to check out the other entities that make up the Pop Culture Cosmos as of yet, we highly, highly recommend you doing so, starting with our good friends at Retro City Games. Uh, Nicole and Doug do a tremendous job answering questions all day long as far as the leaders in Southern Nevada, as far as video games are concerned. Want to check them out. Retro City Games on Facebook. They're a community virtually 5,000 strong. And uh, they're definitely uh, uh, do what they can to support the community there. Just really appreciate everything they do. Retro City Games on Facebook. RobMcCallumFilms.com. You want to go to where our good friend, director Rob McCallum, has uh, you know a lot of things on the plate that he's doing or that and also that he has done. And you can check out what he's doing on RobMcCallumFilms.com. Everything from his hit documentary last year, Nintendo Quest, to the Nintendo Quest Power Tour, which both are available, which you can now download or purchase today. And that robmccallumfilms.com tells you about that. But also, as well, all the great projects he has currently underway, which includes Box Art, this docuseries, also as well, the Kitty documentary, also as well, Missing Mom, which today he just won. And congratulations, big shout out to him. He just won another award from the Forest City Film Festival. Uh, best documentary there. So congratulations on garnering another award for Missing Mom. And also another big congratulations to him this week. I believe he was just named a supporting producer for the upcoming Morgan Spurlock documentary on Barbie. So big shout out to him. All of his projects, you can get more information on today including well a couple of his great podcasts that we've actually sampled here on the show the trenches and GamerCast with jay robin glenn that's all available at robmccallumfilms.com mario party wars they're a great organization in regards to everything mario party and board gaming want to check them out mario party wars on facebook they always need your love there too the triple w wine women and words and well, Josh, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a reason why the girls couldn't be on the podcast today. It's because they were playing Harry Potter. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yes, they were at Universal uh, Studios, so shout out to them. They were probably conjuring up some uh, some stuff indeed over at uh, Universal Studios. So, uh, do, do you I, think their Patronus charms would be glasses of wine? Pretty much, pretty much indeed. But that's Wine, Women, and Words, the leading podcast in the literary world, dealing with all sorts of literary subjects, including an upcoming interview that's been talked about with one Josh Peterson. So look forward to that as well. It's Wine, Women, and Words, which is available on YouTube, their own YouTube channel. It's Wine, Women, and Words, or also as well, podcasts.com. Please do not forget the place that started it all, GameSource on Facebook and at GameSource on Twitter. For all the latest video game information, check out GameSource on Facebook and at GameSource on Twitter. And of course, us, PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com, PopCultureCosmos on Facebook, and at PopCultureCosmo on Twitter for all your pop culture information. Speaking of pop culture, there's video games still coming out even as of this week. Uh, There's still Dishonored 2, Watch Dogs 2, 
The Last Guardian is still on, you know, coming on the way. Pokemon Sun and Moon, some, some of the big titles coming out. But we want to talk about early Game of the Year contenders because now it is not too early to get everything together as far as your choices out there as well on early Game of the Year contenders. So I know you've been studying it really, really carefully uh, so far and getting some good ideas. What are some of your early thoughts on Game of the Year contenders in the video game genre? Let me ask you this. Can a remaster win Game of the Year? That, that question has been just plaguing my mind all day. Well, it's not an original game, so it's kind of unfair. But, I, I mean, can, can you imagine if Skyrim, has, which has already been nominated for 200 awards, was nominated again for Game of the Year? That would be, that'd be quite the feat. But, anyways, uh, my prediction would be, I don't know, I, I haven't played, like, there's so many games that have been nominated that I haven't played. Like right now, like I, I would say that my pick, my personal pick, what I hope would win Game of the Year would be Gears of War 4 because I absolutely loved it. But I'm seeing like Uncharted 4, I haven't played it, but I've heard great things. Um, Overwatch, I'm sure, is a heavy contender. According to the list on Metacritic, it is at number seven. And it's surprising to see Dishonored 2, especially since it literally just came out, that it's already a, uh, in such a high spot. Yeah, I mean, and Rocket League, like I, Rocket League, I've I played it. I'm not very good at it, but people love it. And people talk about it all the time. And yes, I see you're holding your your Uncharted Four there. It's yeah, that's uh, I, I want to play it, but I've I've heard great things. I need to buy a PlayStation Four. Like maybe maybe Black Friday will be the day that I finally take that plunge into the realms of Sony. Well, I'm working hard on, uh, as far as for popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, working hard on showing people out there and giving them a better idea of what's going to be at some of the major hotspots for Black Friday. Uh, excuse me, I already posted a couple, Target and also as well Walmart, the big two when it comes to Black Friday. I'm going to be posting in the coming days, uh, Office Depot, I'm going to Dell, I'm going to be posting also as well Best Buy and others. I don't want to go into Black Friday stuff yet because I know that's coming upcoming on an, uh, another episode, which I'm going to have you do some studying for as well. But I do know that PlayStation 4s will be discounted uh, additionally off their current price. I know that. So if you want to check that out, Walmart and Target ad are right there on the site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com for Black Friday. So definitely some things that could interest you as far as a PlayStation 4 is concerned. Uh, as far as some of the best games that are out there right now that I'm getting a list of, Uncharted 4 is just a bomb. It, it's it's been a you know a definitely a great way to, if it's the close of the series, which I hope not, it's a great way to close out the series. It's, it's just a great game overall, and I couldn't recommend it any higher. But I'm not gonna say if it's my game of the year yet because Inside is also an incredible game. If you get a chance to download that, that's an incredible experience. Also, Overwatch, really, really strong game as well. And yes, Rocket League, which I played uh, really a lot of during the earlier part of this year. Definitely want to uh, give them a shout out as well because it is a strong, strong contender as well for Game of the Year. Your thoughts on any other games that people might think might sneak in there for some Game of the Year voting? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I haven't played a lot of the games that I would have liked to play over the course of the year. I, I still want to play Titanfall 2, still want to play Battlefield. I'm going to stay completely away from Call of Duty, but there's, uh, I, I just, Forza Horizon 3 was fun, and that's that's on the list. So I, I think that that could climb up there, but I think Uncharted's going to take the uh, game of the year here because it looks awesome. And the reviews are great. It does indeed. But I also want to uh, give a shout out to Overwatch as well. Overwatch is something that has garnered a lot of interest, really strongly rated. And I don't want to discount that game at all because Overwatch is definitely a a great, great game indeed. So uh, definitely looking at those titles upcoming for the upcoming game of the year uh, selections and whatnot. But we haven't finalized the list yet. There's still plenty of time. If you if you have any thoughts on some Game of the Year contenders that you feel need to be included, give us a shout-out either on the Retro City Games Facebook page, 
the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, the Game Source Facebook page, or at Game Source on Twitter, or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter as well. And even you can email us at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But up next, the guys from tvratings.com stop by to talk a lot about TV shows for this fall season. What's hot, what's not, and what might get the axe very soon. They'll give you the scoop on all the latest in the TV world coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. What's up, guys? It's Rob McCallum, host of The Trenches. If you don't know what that is, well, I'm going to tell you. Every now and then, I call up friends, colleagues, and sometimes people I don't even know and chat with them for an hour or so. It's all unscripted, unedited, and unpredictable. Why should you care? Well, if you're a creative person like me, you'll get to hear unbelievable and incredible stories because the one through line that connects all my guests is that they make their living doing something creative in the trenches. Get it? So from filmmakers to animators to action figure sculptors and authors, we talk with a lot of folks, and no one has the same story. So check out The Trenches here on the Pop Culture Cosmos or on iTunes. And we're back here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm Gerald Glassford with Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and I really, truly appreciate everyone out there listening and watching. We just truly appreciate you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again... For everyone out there, just want to let you know we're on the Podcast Radio Network Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And also as well, we're on the Tangent Bound Network, the ESO Network, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Podcast.com. Well, we are going to be talking some TV, so get your remote control out and start tuning those channels because it's it's a great time right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. I have some amazing guests with me today. First off, I want to say a big thank you to tvratingsguide.com for joining me on today's episode because, well, actually what we're going to do is we're going to be talking a lot about the fall TV season, TV show ratings, who's hot, who's not. And uh, over the course of the actually next couple episodes, we're going to be talking a whole lot about TV ratings. So with me today are the guys once again from the www.tvratingsguide.com. And I've got Jonathan and Hunter with me today. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, we're doing good. Glad to be here. Oh, well, it's great having you on. Thank you again. And I just want to say what a pleasure it is having you both again on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hunter, first off, tell a little bit, everybody, about your site, what it's all about, what it does, how it started, or whatever it is you want to talk about when it comes to the TV ratings guide. Okay, so I think it started probably uh, about a year and a half ago, I think. I'm not sure exactly when, but I discovered the site back in May or June of 2015, and I loved it and immediately started contributing, like writing articles, like renew, cancel things, reviews, and it was a lot of fun, and we have a great community at our website, lots of great articles from lots of different people. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Jonathan, uh, how did you start up with the, the TV ratings guide? And tell me a little bit more about your thoughts about how it is working for the TV ratings guide.com. Um, well, actually, you know, the ratings junkie, he's the one who made the website and who does everything on it. But uh, I actually got recruited by Hunter um, like September 14th of last year. So a little over a year. And um, so I, I came on, I started doing the reality of new cats to watch. And we're the only website that has one of those. So that's pretty cool. And it's just been a lot of fun. We keep growing more and more each year. We just got a dot com. So we're like pretty official now. And it's just a lot of fun to do a lot of random articles and stuff. Indeed, indeed. Uh, it is a lot of fun working on a site about things you enjoy, about things you're doing. And, and of course, when you're talking about the tvratingsguide.com, you're talking about TV ratings, which for, for TV networks, because obviously it means so much uh, when it comes to, to advertising, when it comes to just people watching, what types of people are watching, what are the age groups, demographics. I mean, there, there's a whole, almost like a scientific question when it comes into it. So I'll ask you first, because we're really going to get into the thick of it here when it comes to TV ratings. But before we do, on the shows itself, what are some of your thoughts on the top shows this fall TV season? 
who is still banking it as far as TV ratings concerned? Jonathan, I'll start with you first. Well, um, I mean, nowadays most ratings shows aren't really that high, but there's just one show, This Is Us. It's a new show. It's doing really well. It's an actual breakout hit, um, high twos in the ratings. So that's doing really well, I guess, in the terms of new shows. And then we've got you got ABC has Grey's Anatomy, um, who after like 15 years almost is still pulling 2.0, which is pretty huge, and one of ABC's top shows. So I guess those are one of the top two shows in TV if you like take out you know Cable and The Walking Dead and um, reality shows. Absolutely, absolutely. And Hunter, what are some of the things you're seeing as far as consistency, as far as maybe NCIS or, or some of the top shows that are out there? Are you still seeing that same trend or, or are there shows that you see now have become uh, big players in the TV marketplace? Well, yeah, you mentioned NCIS. That show has definitely been stable over many years. Like It doesn't lose very many each year while most shows go down a lot in the ratings each year because people less people are watching TV live especially. And but there are some shows that are holding up really well like NCIS. Um like NCIS spin-off NCIS Los Angeles is doing really well this year. And Hawaii Five O is doing well this year. It's almost like an evolution of uh, CSI and all of it branched off and now NCIS has done exactly the same thing. Yeah, it kind of is. Like NCIS and its spin-offs are doing pretty well. And you see kind of the same thing going on over at NBC, where you have the Chicago shows created by the same creator as the Law & Order shows. Uh, and indeed, indeed. You're exactly right on that. Yeah, yeah there's Chicago Fire, Chicago P- PD, Chicago Med, and then this upcoming, like, in January. I'm not sure if it's confirmed in January, but they'll have Chicago Justice, another spinoff. So a big franchise there. And of course, the but they can't still can't touch the ratings winner, which is the Chicago Cubs. But we will yeah. <laughs> we'll go there on that. Well, that's uh you know obviously status quo for a lot of those shows. It's great. Um, I do know that The Simpsons as well has been solid, and they've they've renewed that for another two seasons. I guess to hit to the magical thirty and and become I guess the longest broadcast show of its kind. You passing Bonanza? Is that correct? Yeah, I be- I believe it is. I'm. Not sure exactly, but I know, yeah, it's very long running and like some sort of record. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the case. I think Bonanza had the record, but if upon its 30th, because it did get renewed to its 30th, 30th uh, season, that once it passes that 30th season, yeah, it will it will be the longest running TV show of all time, which is uh, something to to say about the people that watch it as far as their their uh, commitment to it. And it's just great to see. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, what shows are maintaining or building their audience from pre- previous years. Not talking about those shows that, that are on the air now and that are the hot thing to watch, but what shows have do you see uh, a definite climb uh, as far as the ratings are concerned? Hunter, let's start with you. Um. Let's see, those shows, like I mentioned this year, I mentioned just this year, uh, NTIS Los Angeles is doing really well. It's actually up from last season, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, probably yes, because uh, uh, it was put to Sunday night, correct? Yeah, it moved to Sunday night, and that really helped, because I guess a lot of people weren't really watching on Monday nights at 10, but Sunday nights at 8, a lot more people are interested. And some of that's probably due to football, but probably not all of it. And then... There's some other shows that are like up from last season at this point. Uh, Hawaii Five O because of uh, probably because of having MacGyver as a lead in, which is very compatible, same audience. Um, Jane the Virgin is actually doing just about as well, even if not a little bit better than it was at this point last season, which is pretty surprising. It was never a show that was very big in the ratings, but it has stayed about the same over most of its run. And then. Uh, uh, Bob's Burgers, as airing at 7.30, is still holding up a lot of like what it was doing last season. It's doing a little bit better right now in the ratings than it was at this point last season. Sweet. Those are, yeah, some excellent shows that have seen, like you said, to have uh, not only built or maintained their audience, but built upon top of it. Uh, Jonathan, uh, are there any standouts for you as, as concerned that uh, some shows that, like I said, that have been on the air for a little while already, which usually will mean like a decline in numbers, but are actually reversing that trend and are showing improvement. 
Um, I think Hunter basically summed up all the shows that were improving from last year, you know, steady, which is not really many shows have that because most shows are down year to year for various reasons. You know, I think the um, CBS Monday Night Comedies are all doing pretty well, like Two Broke Girls, The Big Bang Theory. This has been on 10 years, and it's still pulling high threes. It's the number one cable well, TV comedy. And like ABC's Wednesday, Modern Family, The Goldbergs, those are both still doing really well for ABC and still up from last year or equal to. Fair enough, indeed. Before I go into a little bit more about some other questions I had, too, this, we were talking about the C, you, talk, you were talking, Hunter, about the CW with Jane the Virgin. Some uh, notes for our, our fans who, who actually listen to the show in regard to pop culture. There's a lot of superhero shows on the CW. How are those shows transpiring so far? And when it comes to, because I heard rumors that The Flash may not be doing as well this year on the CW as previous, but, but how are the DC, and obviously with Supergirl you know, moving over from CBS, how are those shows doing as far as on the CW network? Yeah, so uh, CW Network has lots of those uh, superhero shows, like The Flash is their biggest hit right now, but it is declining. It's still number one in the network, but it's not doing as well as it was before. It's facing a larger-than-average decline this year, and the same thing is going on with Arrow on Wednesday nights, where those two shows especially are facing larger declines. Uh, Supergirl is down a bit from last year, but that's to be expected from because of the network change. It was on CBS last year and then CW this year. And it's still doing pretty well on CW. And Legends of Tomorrow is down a little bit, not as much. But all four shows are down some. There's a couple factors you could consider as being the reason. It could be because of oversaturation. Maybe people are getting tired of all these superhero shows. There's so many of them. But that might not be the reason. It could be that in Chicago, uh, CW's affiliate it, it changed. It went from a network that was more watched to one that isn't. So... It could be due to Chicago affiliate change or superhero oversaturation. But yeah, those shows are down from last season. Fair enough, fair enough indeed, because I know that's of uh, uh, some concern to some, some of the people I talk to out there in regards to uh, longtime DC fans. But they've, they've heard rumors regarding the some of the shows, especially, like I said, The Flash, even though it's the number one show on the CW network, that it's uh, you know, not seeing the best of ratings right at the moment. Um, Jonathan, I want to start with you on this one. What are your favorite and least favorite shows currently airing? And do you think quality always translates into ratings? Um, well, my favorite show broadcast show to ever air probably was Nashville, which was canceled last year. So I'm not going to talk about that right now. But um, Sorry, I guess hey. I like a lot of comedies. Um, the Good Place, Superstore, Two Bird Girls, those are really my favorites this season. They're really like different comedies, and I guess those would be my favorite shows. And um, to answer your question about if quality translates to quantity, I mean, I think viewers do a good job most of the time of weeding out just the really bad shows that aren't good, you know, like shows that may be canceled up to two episodes or make 13 episodes, and that's it. But sometimes I do think there's a few exceptions of some really great shows that um, they just don't do well, maybe for like a bad time slot, little promotion, just for like obscure reasons, and so... I think not all the time, but a good bit of the time. Fair enough, fair enough. Hunter, are there any, and talking what Jonathan just said about quality of shows translating into TV ratings, there's been a number of shows that may not have met a critical need or a critical audience, but still maintain or, or get good numbers, not only on a you know entry-level basis when they first start up, but continuously, which sometimes confounds people when it concerns the quality of television. Are there shows, in your opinion, that do not meet those standards, but still somehow miraculously meet ratings numbers? Well, I think that uh, bad shows perform poorly more often than good shows perform well. So sometimes, like a lot of the shows sometimes that are like considered very good, these like shows that everyone's really excited about, they don't always do very well. Bad shows, ones that people are like, oh, that's not very good and tend to be general consensus on that tend to do poorly more often, but there still are some shows that will perform well, even though critics aren't a fan and don't seem to hear many people talking about loving those shows. Like on ABC, Dr. Ken is in its second season, not very good reviews. People aren't very interested in it, but it's still going on. This season it is at risk for cancellation, but it was doing pretty well for Fridays in the first season, and it's not doing that poorly. 
this season. Fair enough, indeed. Uh, what are some of your favorite shows that are currently on the air? Because I know I have I have a few myself, but what are some of the, uh, your favorite shows on the air that that you hopefully will you know that you're hoping to say keep on the air for some time to come? Oh, I'm really enjoying Crazy Ex Girlfriend on the CW. Doesn't get the best ratings, but I think there's enough other flat factors at play that it's. I think it's going to be back, so I'm very relieved there. Um, I'm really enjoying the new show Conviction on ABC, but that one the ratings aren't there. It's that's not, the one with Haley Atwell, correct? That is, yes. It's uh, Haley Atwell I think show. that just got the. I I I think that just got the chopping block on that one. I think. I just uh, posted something the other day that's on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook that said uh, Haley Atwell might be more interested in becoming Agent Cotter again. Let's just put it put it that way. <laughs> yeah, um, it they decided recently they just announced that it won't be getting any more episodes this season, which isn't an official official cancellation. ABC's not saying right now at this moment they're not bringing it back, but they're not bringing it back. It's She's got some like, free time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's basically ABC's code for not wanting to do like not wanting to bring it back because we're not going to make any more episodes this season, and that's better than with some shows where they get cut. Like Notorious got cut from thirteen to ten episodes, and but in both cases, ABC isn't saying they're canceling the show right now, but both shows will not be returning. Jonathan, I got to ask you this: well, what Hunter and I were just talking about. Has there any been, been, to your knowledge, any actor that has gotten canceled from two shows within the span of six months? <laughs> um, I don't think six months, but there's a few actors that I watch shows from. Like, there's Rachel Taylor, who's now on Jessica Jones and Netflix. I remember she's been on like a new show each season for like the past five years. It got canceled after one season, so that's pretty tough. But not like six months. That's pretty crazy. I know, I know, indeed. Uh, my daughters love Agent Cotter. Um, they uh, are hoping that net, you know, it might find a revival of some type on Netflix. So uh, maybe Haley Atwell will be more receptive to that now that she has some free time on her hands, because uh, American television exactly isn't sitting well with her right now. I bet. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Aw, uh, yeah. Let's get this party started up in here. Whoop, whoop. Hey, this is Mark. You're listening to this show probably on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android or even Windows Mobile. <laughs> Who has one of those? Uh, but anyway, you're probably listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or some other wonderful mobile app that brings this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. Yeah. But did you also know that you can find this show among several others in this category at the Tangent Bound Network? That's right. Go visit tangentboundnetwork.com. Check it out where you can always get the latest episode of this and other shows quite like it. Although, admittedly, there is no show quite like this one. Once again, this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford. How are you? I'm here with Jonathan and Hunter from tvratingsguide.com. If you get a chance, check out their site, tvratingsguide.com. They do a great job, not only breaking down and analyzing the numbers for everyone out there to focus on when it comes to their favorite shows, but they also do a great job of doing reviews on various episodes and shows that, that they cover. They've got a great list of writers from what I was looking at the other day that voice their opinions on the the TV rating scene and share their opinions and reviews. Uh, They just do a great job. And if you get a chance, you just go to their site, tvratingsguide.com. That's www.tvratingsguide.com. And also as well, you can check them out. They do a tremendous job on Twitter, I'm telling you. As far as any questions that you ask, they've got a great comment area, not only on their site, But if you get a hold of them at TV Ratings Guide on Twitter, they'll be glad to take care of you there as well. Trust me. I know this from personal experience. They've done a great job on not only on their site with their comment board, but their Twitter as well. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about the ratings itself. How important are the November sweeps to shows, uh, to the networks? And, uh, well, what something that often doesn't get talked about as much when it comes to TV ratings, but is obviously very important to advertisers. So the November sweeps, which are one of the four sweep periods in the year, are one of the times where the networks and 
their like their local affiliates look at like look more deeply at the ratings usually and they see how is this network doing like and so that's what and often during this time less repeats are aired although now there's less repeats throughout the whole year because a lot of bridge shows and things like that um but still it's an important time to not not that important anymore but it's still an like has its importance. Fair enough, indeed, Jonathan. Uh, I want to ask you real quick. Uh, when it comes to the networks are concerned, these November sweeps. Are, so, like uh, what Hunter was saying, as far as their value and how much they're weighted, is it the May sweeps are more important uh, then, or is it is it something just as far as right off the bat they're they're going to you know a lot of networks just make the decision whether or not they're going to stick with the show or not. Um, I think it may be a little bit of what Hunter said about how they're still pretty important, but they're not that important. Like I'd say probably the sweeps in um, the second half of the year are more important, especially the May sweeps since it's the season finale time. And those usually tend to draw like a higher audience than they had all spring. But I guess November sweeps are pretty important because like once you hit spring and January time, shows will be down. So they get more ratings, which is more viewers, which is more money for the advertisers in November. So they're probably pretty important, but not the most important sweep time. Fair enough, fair enough indeed. Um, Hunter, uh, I had just uh, put this in before we went on broadcast, so I want to ask this uh, on this segment. Uh, we were talking about ratings and how important the numbers are to to the networks and whatnot. What about the advent of DVR? Uh, I know over the course of the past few years, DVR has be- played a larger and larger role in American households as far as how they view and watch television. You know, we're all busy doing stuff. We can't always catch the first airing of The Walking Dead or me, Timeless, or me, Elementary, or me, anything, really. (laughs) Uh, It's pretty much DVR for me. Or through cable networks that provide, uh, you know, obviously they they have it on their queue and you watch it at, at at your leisure. How important are those later airings to the networks because I see some shows that, you know, from my past reading and past articles, not only on tvratingsguide.com, but what, uh, you know, in past readings that DVR and, and belated viewings might be the difference between a show staying on the air and being canceled. Yeah. So DVR has made, had a huge impact on live TV viewing over like the last decade or so where it's really gone down, and DVR was the first big reason for that. And then now, today, with Netflix and Hulu and things like that, where people have more up and more opportunities to watch shows not live later on, like, think watch it later on. Like, I know I do that for Tuesday at 9. I have, like, five shows on at the same time. I can't watch five shows at once. So I watch one show live, usually, and then the not other. Very, not very well, <laughs> let's just say. You can't do it very well. Yeah, you'd miss a lot going back and forth. <laughs> but, um, how DVR really works and other forms of delayed viewing is um, it isn't as big of an impact as live viewing because when you are watching a show live, you watch all the commercials. And so then advertisers are saying, okay, people are watching this show live. They're watching the commercials, so I want to advertise during that show. And... A lot of people, when they watch in DVR, they might fast forward for the, through the commercials. And so there's a metric that they use to, that the networks use to determine how many people are watching the commercials during their shows, which is rarely released to the public. But it, it looks usually fairly similar to the live viewing and like pretty proportional. But so. But then also there are things like Hulu or for CBS has their own streaming service, CBS All Access, where you have to pay to get it and then you watch some commercials. They put not as many commercials as when you watch a TV show live, but you might have like three or four ads in the commercial breaks. And those are ways that they're making money despite the whole DVR thing. So then like, for example, CBS might make money for people subscribing to CBSL Access and watching the commercials during CBSL Access. Although, of course, they have to get people to want to watch CBSL Access, which I think is something they're struggling with. 
I know what they're they're doing a spinoff of The Good Wife on there, and of course, what uh, I'm looking forward to Star Trek Discovery when that ever. I know uh, it, they had delayed it. They delayed it once, um, and then now they've had showrunner issues. So who knows when that's going to come on the air? Jonathan, I want to ask you real quick: when it comes to these all access networks, when it comes to the Netflix, and when it comes to the Hulu, when it comes to HBO, how do you guys at the tvratingsguide.com how do you guys are, are able to formulate what shows are being watched on these networks that are are, are hit uh that are popular um and what how are you able to gauge the, the popularity of these shows because for instance um the west I'll, I'll throw it out there westworld um i've seen a few episodes of it now i can tell you by far my first opinion is no matter what you think of it as far as a good or bad show it is the most expensive show i have ever seen on television how are shows like that gauged when you guys are doing it to gauge exactly how they're popular they are and how how are you able to as the ratings guide be able to translate that to your audience to to, to let them know exactly which shows on these networks that are not on the broadcast network are they worth watching um well it really depends on the show. Like the show you mentioned, Westworld, that's kind of one of the outliers. Like that's a really expensive show. But most cable shows are significantly less money than a broadcast show. So they have like more money to be able to renew shows. Like I think comedies are usually $4 million on broadcast networks average about. And like there'll be say $2 million on a cable network so they're cheaper so they can afford lower ratings. Like Westworld, you mentioned um, – that have to do like really well. Like if it, I think it's pulling 0.7 to 0.8, which is pretty good for HBO, but it's expensive as you've mentioned. So HBO probably does look a little into like delayed viewing, who's buying it to see if they can t- get enough money there to renew it. But like I'd say what it is at now, they could probably afford to renew because cable shows, they know, you know, not many people are going to go get HBO. So for a rating that good is pretty good. But if it was pulling, say, a point four, which they renew for one of another one of their dramas, they probably have to cancel it because it's too low. Like if it's an expensive show, but it's making enough and money and ratings to be able to get renewed properly. And so that's right now is Jonathan and Hunter from the TV Ratings and TV Ratings Guide on Twitter. Please follow them. You check out their site. You can go ahead. They've got a great, great community there already to chat with you as far as tell you know their thoughts on the tv rating scene they got some great articles and reviews up there already guys i want to bring you back on our next episode here so if that's okay with you i got some more questions that i want to ask for next week's episode is that okay sure absolutely i appreciate it and uh with that when we come back we're going to be talking some of the holiday gifts that you can look forward to That's for your favorite pop culture fan. And we'll talk a little bit more about that right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. GameSource is your number one source for everything video games. Each week we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at GameSource and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news Plus also about all the great things we're doing on our GameSource Facebook, Twitter, and GameSource YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world right here at GameSource. And we're back once again on the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate you joining us once again. We want to thank everyone out there for watching us again and listening to us right here on the Podcast Radio Network, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Also as well, want to thank, uh, if you're listening to us on the Tangent Bound Network, we truly appreciate it. The ESO Network, want to thank you for also listening to our latest affiliate from there. Also some of the great <laughs> ways to listen to us uh, as well, including Stitcher, iTunes, Podcast.com, Google Play, and of course, our last couple of episodes are always up at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. So I want to talk a little bit about, before we go, some great gifts to get, or at least some good ideas that might pop into your head because of we're here at Pop Culture Cosmos, as far as for that pop culture fan out there. So I want to start off with you, Josh. Josh Peterson, the author of Vendetta Dark, which you can get today on Amazon.com. 
Josh, what are your some of your early thoughts as far as gift giving for that pop culture fan in your life? I, I'm actually thinking about creating some uh, mugs and T-shirts for pop culture cosmos that start with pop dash, you know, whatever you want to put afterwards. I, I think it could sell quite a few. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, you know that if there's interest. Hey, let us know at Pop Culture Cosmo, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You can send us an email if you're interested. You know we can cook something up and try and get it out at a very reasonable price for you. But what are some of the ideas as far as the great gift giving thoughts out there for that pop culture fan in your life? All right, let's talk about this. So we got. They just recently released Harry Potter on Blu-ray and, and DVD again. So you have like the, the extended cuts and it has all the special features, the two discs that comes with the, uh, dig- the movie, the digital copy, and another disc that has the behind the scenes, the making of the special documentaries that came out only on the original uh, box sets that you got with, uh, th- with the movies on DVD when they came out. So you have those. I'll definitely be looking into those. Um, another thing that's good for gamers is the the Elgato uh, game capture, the HD60. A lot of people watch these movies, on the gameplay movies online, and they don't know. They're like, okay, well, the app on the Xbox One only lets you capture f- five minutes of gameplay, so how are these people doing this? How are they uploading this? And that's the question that I recently looked into, and uh, I, I picked up this uh, the Elgato game capture card. So it... it records at uh, 1080p, 60 frames per second, and re- uh, records all into a card, and you load it up onto your hard drive and put it on YouTube, and that's how it's done. Nice. Nice indeed. And as for, uh, th- to be on like my family, I always buy them electronics because anytime I buy them anything else, it ends up in a drawer somewhere, for, and I find it like three years later. I'm like, didn't I buy you this for Christmas? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's covered in dust now. So I buy them... <laughs> Yeah, I, I buy them DVDs, and I mean they don't even watch those most of the time. So it's you know it it, it really is the thought that counts at that point. But I, as a camera guy, I have to say I really am digging the uh, GoPro Hero Five. It's the their newest uh, GoPro has come out with some really great things, but this is their newest uh, camera. It's three ninety nine. It's got a built in touchscreen. It's uh, it's durable. You can if you're one of those people who likes to attach cameras to selfie sticks and take them on roller coasters that you're not supposed to do. Uh, it's the perfect gift, you know, if you're looking to buy a camera for yourself or for somebody else. And GoPro is actually, I don't know if you heard, but GoPro actually has their own drone coming out. So very nice. You, yeah. It's, it's pretty fantastic. So if you, you know, if you want a cheaper alternative to like the DJI Phantom, it's, it's the perfect gift. Um, Target, I know sells drones. They're, they're, kind of cheap they fly away from you when they go out of run out of signal but uh drones are fun but yeah that's for those are my top my top three picks the harry potter gopro and the el gato those are for any uh any of you tech nerds out there like myself i want to start off with something a little bit different but you've seen it all out there as far as commercials are concerned but the amazon echo something for around the house that pretty much anybody out there would kind of like to have is is available. It's going to be a big seller. And with Amazon, you know right around Black Friday that they're going to probably discount it. I know the Fitbits out there, the Fitbit watches and the Fitbit wrist monitors and whatnot, those are also going to be in high demand this, this holiday season. A lot of them are discounted on Black Friday, so look out for that as well. I know you were talking about DVDs and hiding uh, stuff as far as, oh, yeah, thanks, and just putting it in the drawer. But I don't think you could really put away and hide in a drawer the 50th anniversary set that came out this year for Star Trek. That's actually a nice grouping. It's not the ultimate, but to have you know almost all the Star Trek movies right there, behind-the-scenes stuff and, and things of that nature, to have that within the one box set, is a great deal indeed. And I think a lot of people that have a Star Trek fan in their life uh, should definitely be looking for that. Also, one more I'd probably throw out there is virtual reality. If you want and you're on the fence about it, just listen to one of our back episodes with Doug talking about it at length, about his experience, because he owns a PlayStation VR. 
and he spoke really highly of it. If you are interested at all in VR, that may be one area or avenue to look down. Uh, otherwise, maybe even just getting the the hundred dollar and other units like Google Cardboard and Samsung Gear VR. Maybe that might be something you want to get started with as just getting the taste of VR and go from there. Or if it's just you're giving a gift to someone, that would be a really cool gift as well. So, Josh, before we head on out, any last thoughts on what's upcoming for the holiday season? Anything you're working on that people need to be made aware of? Uh, Vendetta Dark is out there if you want to pick that up. Uh, I also have Center Space, which is kind of a pseudo-sequel to Vendetta Dark, and I Yes, for those of you who have read it and are wondering when the next piece is coming out, I'm still working on it. I haven't left that unattended to. Uh, on the free side, there is Ghost Toasters. You can always tune into that on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos. It's up there on the website. It's you know, it's not not a big budget production, but it'll make you laugh. So look out for that, Ghost Toasters on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. You can see the entire saga. We have an article up, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, that displays the entire saga of four great videos, indeed, from the Ghost Toaster saga. So take a look for that. And also as well, remember, Vendetta Dark is available on Amazon and also Center Space, which is the pseudo-sequel to Vendetta Dark. Take a look for that. Before you pre-order, congratulations, you suck. So for Josh Peterson, the author of Vendetta Dark, this is Gerald Glassford, also from Pop Culture Cosmos. We want to thank you for listening. We want to thank you for watching. It's another beautiful day in paradise. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.